Welcome to the You Can Make a Living in the Music Industry podcast from Nashville, Tennessee. I am your host, John Martin Keith. Celebrities, working class musicians, and people who work behind the scenes in all areas of the music industry will share their stories, encourage you, and give practical advice of ways you can make a living doing what you love in the music industry. This episode is brought to you by Edenbrook Productions. Edenbrook Productions is the company I founded to help musicians grow in their craft. Are you a songwriter, but maybe you've been told your songs aren't quite there yet? Or are your songs ready, but you don't feel stage ready? Or maybe music is your passion, but you feel imprisoned by your day job and you don't know what to do next to make your dream a reality. Well, Edenbrook Productions is here to help. We offer consulting services via phone call, Skype, and FaceTime. And for the You Can Make a Living in the Music Industry podcast listeners, we're offering an introductory one-hour consultation special. Click on the link in the show notes to contact me, and let's get you making a living in the music industry. Hey guys, welcome to the show today. I'm very excited to continue my conversation at Life Fest Music Festival in Oshkosh, Wisconsin with a live audience. So this has been so much fun for me to do this, and I'm excited to get to share another episode with you guys of doing that this week. Today, I am the guest of the show uh, at the festival. So I got to spend time talking with the audience, sharing my story and answering questions from the audience about the music industry. Today, we are discussing the pros and cons of streaming platforms, the importance of having other writers critique your songwriting, and what I believe is the definition of success for anyone pursuing a career in the music industry. Please enjoy this episode today. Good morning. Thank you. Yes, my name is John Martin Keith. Um, Thank you guys for coming and hanging out. And the seminar is called You Can Make a Living in the Music Industry. So I'm a recording artist. I live in Nashville. I'm a songwriter, a producer. I'm a worship pastor. I'm a guitar teacher. I do booking for different people. Um, I do like seven, eight, nine different things in the music business that allow me to make music for a living full time. It's not, it's not like the Newsboys or Crowder. These guys are going to be on the main stage uh, later on tonight where that's they can, they just are artists or songwriters and then they make a really, really good living at it. And, you know, that's a dwindling number of people that get to do that nowadays. The, the industry has changed in the past 20 years drastically. And so most artists that you're going to see here performing um, or doing whatever, you know, this is a fraction of what they do, you know, if this is what they get to do full time. And most of them have job, other jobs that have nothing to do with music. I've been very blessed, God has been very good to me that I get to do music full time, but it takes on many different forms that allows me to do that. So um, I'm going to kind of tell you my story, who I am, what I'm doing here, and you know, ask me questions, and we're going to talk, we're going to interact. And so thank you guys for being here and hanging out. Um, I'm originally from Paducah, Kentucky. Anybody knows who Stephen Curtis Chapman is? Yes? Okay, so Stephen Curtis is from Paducah. We are both from the same hometown. His dad was my guitar teacher. Um, I started when I was four years old. I am the youngest guitar student that his dad, Herb Chapman Sr., uh, ever had. And so I still hold that record to this day. And I'm excited for that. Hopefully I will forever hold that record of being the youngest ever student at four years old. Um, so I grew up in Paducah, taking guitar lessons and learning how to play music from, from him when I was, my dad played guitar when I was, before I was born. So when I was a baby and just like a toddler, I was dragging my dad's electric guitar around our house. 
you know, and laying it upside down and doing this kind of thing. I always wanted to do music, and my, I was begging, I don't remember this personally, but I, they tell me that I was always begging to take guitar lessons when I was really little, and, you know, finally at four years old, <laughs> they're like, I don't know, let's take him and see, and so I did, and I stuck with it. So, I grew up, uh, you know, doing talent shows and all this kind of stuff. And then when I was a teenager, I got into, you know, that's when Stephen Curtis put out his first album. I was, I think, in seventh grade at that point. And um, fell in love with that music and knowing him. And I just started, like, I want to do what this guy does. You know, I want to follow in his, his footsteps and his ministry. And so I tried to build my, my career and my ministry off of kind of what he had done. And started writing music, started leading worship for my church, for my youth group and college age as we got older. And then went out and started touring. You know, um, let me ask you this. How many of you guys do music any, or have any interest in doing music? Okay, there's a couple, two or three, all right. Um, so people ask me all the time, it's like, how do you get started in doing music? How do, you, how do you go out and start playing shows? And I just, I tell them, just go out and start playing shows, <laughs> you know? Um, I started touring when I was, well, I don't know, 18, 20, something like that, when I started actually going out on the road myself and uh, playing concerts and leading worship for different events. And so, um, you know, I would call up churches. I started leading, actually, I started, I went to college. I was leading worship for a youth camp in Kansas City, um, youth church camp. And so I went and did that for a summer. And then because of that, I started meeting some other people uh, that different churches and youth leaders and things. And they would say, hey, would you come lead worship for for our church or for our youth group or whatever. And I was like, absolutely, you know, and like, we'll pay you this much. I'm like, I'm there, right? And so I would drive to Florida in my old, old Ford Mustang at the time when gas was like 79 cents and you could afford to do that kind of stuff. Um, and I would drive down to Florida and play at this church and then I would drive all the way back to Paducah, Kentucky. And I did that for years, that kind of stuff. Kansas City and I kind of had these, I built this region of Midwest and Southeast that I would go to and, um, you know, and just started kind of build a following in, in these churches that would have me back every year and started getting some more experience. And, you know, and those just kind of opened up doors for more opportunities. So, um, you know, I went to college in Kansas City. I came back to Paducah and started teaching guitar for Herb Chapman. Did that, you know. And then eventually I went to college again um, in, at Joplin, Missouri, Ozark Christian College. And then um, I started a band called Hand to the Plow. And what we did, we, we recorded an album. So how many of you guys that raise your hand that do music? Um, are you artists? Are you songwriters? Do you sing? Do you play? What do you do? What do you do? You do both. Okay. And what did you, you raise? Did you raise your hand? Okay. Um, and you have a venue. We, we, and that's right. So, so as I was doing that, I was, you know, learning how to write songs and how to lead worship and start having in people to interact with. And they just started opening up some, some doors. And eventually, so I, when I was in college, I started this band called Hand to the Plow, um, CCM band. And uh, we started playing, the, the, the school had these different youth events that they put on. And churches would come up to us and say, hey, we want you guys to come play at our church. And so we started getting to actually go out and tour as a band. And for like two years, we were doing it pretty heavily enough that we recorded an album and we didn't have to pay a single penny for it. And that's very rare. Most people don't get to do that. It, it costs a lot of money to record an album. But every, everything that we would make from playing shows or leading worship somewhere, all that money would go straight into 
you know, our fund to record an album. So we recorded a full album with nothing out of pocket, you know, which was phenomenal back then. Um, so then in 2000, the year 2000, I moved to Nashville to pursue music full time. Um, and immediately started going out and playing guitar for another artist. I wasn't really focusing on my own stuff at the time because when you move to Nashville and you're a very, very, very small fish in an extremely large ocean, you know, you do whatever you can. And so I met some, some people and started working at a record label as an internship and uh, became really close friends with those people that are still some of my best friends today, 21 years later. Um, but started going out and touring and playing for another artist. And so, um, you know, I did that for a couple of years and then I started focusing on my music again and, you know, just all kinds of different things started popping up, different opportunities that have allowed me to do music full time. And eventually, you know, after I got married and had a, had a baby and um, I started a company, I have a production company called Edenbrook Productions. And so that initially was a, as a guitar teacher. I learned from the best guitar teacher that you could ever hope for. I mean, if, if it's good enough for Stephen Curtis Chapman, it's good enough for me, right? <laughs> um, so I started becoming a guitar teacher. And so I did that full time for 10 years, pretty much. Um, and then a few years ago, I started getting back out, recording music, started touring again. So now what I do for the most part, I'm, so I'm not doing concerts. I'm playing today at 3.15 over here at the cafe stage. Um, and I'm leading worship on Sunday morning at the end of service with Big Daddy Weave and, and those guys. Um, so what I do now for the most part is I am a guest worship leader. I go to churches all over the country and I fill in for worship leaders and they're sick or they want a break or they're out of town for whatever reason, need a break for a weekend. I go and I fill in for them. I lead worship for their churches. So that's what I do. That's a huge chunk of what I do nowadays. Um, I still get to teach guitar and I write music for TV and film projects. So I have music on like uh, Fox Sports Channel and History Discovery Channel and those, all that, if you ever watched History or Discovery, Shark Week, all that kind of stuff, you know, I write that kind of music that goes to that kind of stuff, which is a lot of fun. And the sports rock, the real, you know, NASCAR and UFC, whatever it is, all that kind of stuff. So that is kind of the past three or four years, my, my career has kind of shifted into doing more of that TV music during the week. And then I'm leading worship on the weekends and I do concerts when I can. Of course, we a year and a half of no concerts. So I'm really excited to play a show today, this afternoon. So I would love for you guys to come hang out and, and be a part of that. Um, so again, you can make a living in the music industry. Some of you guys have no desire to make a living in music, but I'm, I appreciate you just coming to hang out and kind of listen and maybe learn something that you didn't know about. Um, but I want, what I want to do is we're going to, we got a microphone. Mike here is going to be kind enough to go around and, you know, whether you're in music or want to do music or not, I would love to just have questions and talk with you guys. Let me know what you're at, what you're looking for. I like to write. Yeah. And is it hard to get into writing songs? <laughs> I mean, a lot of people probably do it. So you mean for a living? Well, or, or just the part-time gig. <laughs> Well, okay, so, I mean, that's a great question. So if you're writing songs on your own, you're already doing it, you know? So getting into it, as far as just doing it, obviously it's not hard because you're just doing it. But um, doing it for the purpose of, as an artist, to go out and play your music for people or as a songwriter to write music for another artist, um, that gets trickier, and that depends on what you're wanting to do as a songwriter. Are you wanting, 
So let me be a little more specific. Are you wanting to write music for another artist or for yourself and get people to come listen to you play? Oh, no. Um, You're good. Just to make a little extra cash and um, do what I like to do. Yeah. Um, usually, I'm going to take it from the context of how I, of being in Nashville. So Nashville is a songwriting town, and that's what, Everybody goes there, most everyone's going there to either be a songwriter or an artist. So if you're going there to hopefully make money as a songwriter, which most people, that's what they're wanting to do, um, it is harder than you think it is. Um, because Nashville is a relationship town. The music business as a whole is a relationship business. So most people do not move to Nashville or walk into town with a stack of songs and take them to an artist and say, hey, I want you to record my song. You would never be able to get to the newsboys and just go up to them and say, hey, would you record my song or can I play my song? They're going to be awesome guys and they're going to be super kind to you, but they're not going to be able to do it. It's just not, it's just not how it works. Um, what you're going to have to do in that context is you're going to have to get to know either their management or their, so their producer, or someone that's in their camp that kind of that kind of runs either their production side of things or their management side of things, um, or their publisher, a publishing company. That's really where the direction you're going to go. So, if you're truly, truly wanting to make make money at songwriting, you have to get a, a publishing company. For the for the most part, is a publishing company. A publishing company are the is the the people. They're the companies that. They don't buy your songs, but they sign you, sign you as a writer to, to basically sell, quote unquote, sell your songs to an artist to perform it for, you know, to record your song. Does that make sense? Yeah, Go ahead. I, you know what? I don't even know music. I just like to write. <laughs> yeah, but that's, that's just kind of in a nutshell how that works. Now, okay. that being said, if you just want to write songs for your, if you're writing songs for yourself, well, you're doing that, but if you want to write, you know, as far as getting into the making some extra money doing it, whatever, um, it's a little more it's a little more complicated than that. If that makes sense, does that answer your question? Absolutely. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Absolutely. Yes, ma'am. Uh, yeah. Let's let's get the microphones set because we're recording this, so I want to be able to. You may think you're loud, but you're not. So <laughs> we need everyone to hear you. Uh, my question is. You keep saying that it's expensive to record an album. Do uh -huh. you actually do albums still, or is it oh, yeah. modern technology? Well, it's still, uh, whether it's a CD or, or vinyl or w tape or whatever it is, if a collection of songs is an album, quote-unquote an album. So if you do eight or ten songs, that's considered an album. Um, usually like three to, three to eight songs is considered an EP, edited play is what it stands for. Um, LP, which is a full album, 10 to 12, 13 songs, something like that, is LP, which is like long, long play form, long form play, something like that. Um, so, but recording a collection of songs. So, if you go over here to the artist merch booth to buy, you're going to be able to buy an actual CD. That's going to be their album. Um, so, yeah, you, they're still doing that. Technology's made it a lot easier to record. You know, back in the day, you had to go to a recording studio, an expensive recording studio, and it costs thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars, sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars, that people still do it. I mean, like the, 
some of the biggest artists still go into a studio and record, you know, in the big studios in Nashville or New York or LA or whatever. And, um, you know, they're still spending lots and lots of money to do it. And they sound fantastic. But the great thing about technology and the one of the reasons why you're able to see so many new artists and independent artists that you may have not known beforehand, before nowadays, is because we have technology, we have computers and the technology, the technology now that we can sit and we, we, we can record an album on our laptops in our homes, in our bedrooms or garage or whatever. And my, my studio is in my home. I mean, what we're recording on right now on my laptop is my studio at home. You know, I mean, I've got a bigger setup there, but you know, initially that's where it's all built. It's, you know, they call it in the box, recording in the box. Um, and some people love it, some people don't love it. You know, there's all, there's a lot of different varying views on that, but the majority of the music you listen to nowadays is recorded on a computer through different recording softwares and things like that. And, um, you know, I'm, because I, I played a lot of different instruments and I write my own music and I, I know how to produce music. It doesn't cost me anything to re put out an album, hardly, you know, other than paying for the physical, you know, CDs or packaging or whatever. But as far as recording, if I can play it all myself or, or do it fairly cheaply, if I got friends that, you know, that play their instruments, I can send it off uh, an email to them with a the track on it and say, hey, can you track a drum or a guitar part and pay them, you know, so much? And then they're like, yeah, and they record it and they send it back to me and pop it in and I keep going. You know, like used to, you couldn't do that, but nowadays it makes it so much, much easier. So does that answer your question? Is that helpful? I actually have a question. Yeah. Um, so with today's, with the media and the digital format now, and we've got services like Spotify or Pandora, stuff like that, um, how is that changing the industry? Because, and, and how do, artists make money through like Spotify, okay? I'm just gonna use Spotify because I've been using that for the last year. I've discovered so many artists that I never even knew existed because of Spotify. Yeah. Uh, how does that help, an art, how does that work, that relationship work with an artist? So Spotify, you can, anyone can get their music on Spotify or uh, Apple Music, you know, iTunes, all that kind of, that, that's, nowadays, that's one of the reasons that technology, the. It's one of the reasons why the music business has changed so much and why it's hurt so many artists. It's helped a lot of people because it's given indie artists who would have never had the opportunity beforehand have been able to rise up and they have a platform now for all of us to go find all this new music. So now there are millions and millions of artists that didn't exist 20 years ago that didn't have that opportunity, right? So now you know all these new artists that you'd have never known about and they're, most of them are amazing. Um, that being said, okay, so you can get your music. It doesn't take anything to get your music on Spotify or, or Apple, whatever. You just got to basically sign up and send them your files and, you know, those types of things. And so getting it on there is not a big deal. The big deal is getting people to find you as an artist on Spotify. Now, what's happening most likely is that you're finding playlists because everything on Spotify is really built on playlists. And so... You have to find a way to get your music onto a playlist that people are going to look for. Does that make sense? So, um, and that's really pretty difficult as just, if I just put my music on Spotify, like I've got my music on Spotify, you can go look up John Martin Keith right now and pull it all up and listen to it all you want. There are companies, there's a company called Streaming Promotions 
out of Nashville. And so what they do is they, streaming promotions will work with you as an artist, if you're the artist, and they, their goal is to get your music onto all these playlists and to get your music out there so that people can find you. So there are companies that do that for you. As far as making money on Spotify, unless you're Taylor Swift, you're not gonna make hardly any money on Spotify. I've had, or Pandora, or any of those things. So I've got um, a Christmas album, an instrumental Christmas album that I put out. Now, I, like I said, I write music for TV and film stuff as well. So when my music gets put on a TV show, that makes some money. If, uh, but that, that same Christmas song that was on a TV show a few years ago that, that made a decent amount for whatever reason, that exact same song, when it's played on Spotify, will get 30,000 plays. I've had at least 30,000 plays this past Christmas time on Spotify. Do you know how much money I made off of that? Maybe 14 cents. 30,000 plays, maybe 14 cents. Yeah, that's why it's a, that's why it's a, it's a necessary evil to a degree because everybody listens to Spotify and Apple Music because everything is digital now. Nobody goes out and buys albums anymore, hardly. You know, I, I still love CDs. I want to listen to my music in my car on a CD because they, they say, you know, you can't be on your phone when you're driving. You got to look ahead, right? You, how many times have we heard that? You know, put the phone down, and, but everything is on your phone. And you don't even have CD players in your cars anymore. It's all digital. So regardless if I'm touching the screen on the car or on my phone, I'm still looking at a screen, having to touch something, doing the very thing that tell me don't do, but they don't give me the option not to do it anymore. Does that make sense? <laughs> so, but I still love a CD in my car. It has something physical because I love not just the music. I love the packaging. I love, because I'm, I'm an artist, and so I do all the creative and artwork and things like that. I, and the photography, I love all the reading who the artists are and who the the songwriters are and who the players are on the albums and stuff and you you don't get that when you listen to something on on online well i'm glad then that i uh, actually uh, I've, I've discovered a new artist and then i'll go to their website yep and then i'll buy some stuff off the website so now i'm glad i'm doing that because uh, i didn't realize that you guys make absolutely nothing off of these very, very little I'll say very little. I'm not going to say not nothing, but it's very little. Well, 14 cents, it really, yeah, that doesn't... After 30,000 <laughs> streams, you know, yeah, it's, you, yeah, you get a... So, as a songwriter, we are part of these organizations um, in Nashville called either... There's one called ASCAP, there's one called BMI, and one called CSAC. And so what those are, those are the, the organizations that you have to sign up as a songwriter if you want to get paid when your music is played on the radio or on TV. That's how you get paid as a songwriter for those things. So when Spotify creates a playlist for you based on your listening habits, mm -hmm. are they just using, well, obviously they're using an algorithm, but that yeah. really doesn't help any specific artist either then. Um, I mean, it's going to help whoever it, it, it recommends to them. And so they might, I mean, they might recommend me to a playlist because of, you know, I'm similar to Stephen Curtis or Chris Tomlin or whoever. Um, so that, those things are possible. I'm not going to say it's not happening. It does happen, obviously, or, or people wouldn't use the, the platform. But, um, but like I said, the, the company streaming promotions and some others that do similar types of things, those are the companies that really are ones getting you out there and getting you all these playlists to get you noticed. And when, in order for them to even pick you up to do that kind of thing, they really want to see that you're out, that you've got uh, Facebook, 
like you got a you got a big following on Facebook or Instagram or whatever. They want to see that you're out, just like a record label. Nowadays, a record label is not going to sign you as an artist if you're not out playing shows, if you're not active on social media, which is unfortunate, but that's just again, that's the way it is because everybody's on everybody's on Facebook, everybody's on Instagram, everybody's on YouTube and they see you know how many views you have or how many likes you have or dislikes or whatever. And so because of that, um, those, unfortunately, those things matter to a lot of those companies in order to sign you as an artist or, um, or to bring you on so that they will want to promote you to playlists on Spotify and things like that. So, because it's a business. I mean, for those guys, it's a business. Now, I've had uh, the guy who, who runs streaming prom promotions. He's been on my podcast. That's the reason I can tell you a little bit about them because he's been a guest on the show. Um, and we've talked about this to some degree. And um, so if you want to know more about that, I would say go, go listen to season two of, of my podcast, um, Streaming Promotions is, um, is what the title of that episode is. And it gives you a lot more detail. And it's really, really good information. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody else have any questions? Man, these are, thank you guys. This is great. Um, she's got one if you got the microphone right there. For someone who has, um, you know, a natural gift of music and words seem to come, what would you recommend for practicing honing the songwriting skills? So, you you feel like that comes natural to you? For, that comes natural to you. <laughs> She's like, I'm talking for you. Um, I'm talking for my daughter. Um, so, to hone the skills is to sit and write pretty much every day. Write something. Doesn't have to be a full song. Maybe write a verse, maybe write a chorus, maybe write just a couple of phrases, you know? But just constantly writing something just to stay in practice. Uh, I know from experience, when you, once you go a long time and don't write, trying to get back into it, you know, they say everything's like riding a bike. You just get on, you just do it. That's, you know, it's maybe not quite that easy sometimes. Um, you know, I mean, these guys that do it for a living, they do it for a living because they just they just do it over and over and over. We were talking, so Ben McDonald from Sidewalk Profits, he was on the episode yesterday here. And um, we had that same, basically that same conversation um, <laughs> because he's one of the chief songwriters for Sidewalk Profits. And they've got five number one hits. I think they got like eight top 10 or something like that. And we were talking about, he was saying how many hundreds of so bad songs they've written in order to get the ones that end up on an album that you know that everybody likes that will end up with five top, you know, in order to get five number ones, you have to go through hundreds and hundreds of really bad or mediocre songs. Does that make sense? So just write, just find things to write about. And I love listening, like who are your, um, give her the microphone, who are your favorite artists or songwriters. Do you have any particular ones? Kane. Love Kane, obviously, yes. And they, man, their songs are amazing. Rise Up, Lazarus, and yes, you know, like they're, they're catchy, right? They're, they're full of truth, but they're also catchy pop stuff. And so if you want to write like those guys, um, listen, listen to their lyrics. That's what I love. I love listening to other artists and other songwriters and what their lyrics are saying. And then trying to find a way, okay, when I write a song, how can I, I don't want to copy them. I don't want to just plagiarize what someone else is doing. 
but I want to figure out a way that I can write something that is um, similar in a sense that it's, it's got that same concept. Does that make, does that make sense? Um, the same concepts and try to write, because it's just so creative, you know? That's one of the things that's great about Kane and We the Kingdom. Was ama you know, they're amazing. Stephen Curtis, like all these guys, and Gordon, you know, I always come back to the Stephen, but um, because he was my mentor, that, you know, in that sense of watching his songs or listening to his songs and his lyrics and um, knowing him personally of how, kind of how that process works for him. And he, like, when Stephen Curtis writes a song, at least back in the day, he would rewrite the same song over and over and over. You hear The Great Adventure, and you, you think, or Dive, or Lord of the Dance, whatever, and we think, you know, man, that was just, this, it just poured out. And to some degree, yes, that's true. But he always has a habit of going back and just rewriting lyrics all the time before it gets to that final product that actually ends up on an album that we know and love, you know? So rewriting and rewriting, and re I don't like rewriting, <laughs> to be honest with you. I don't like rewriting. I, when I write a song, I want it to be, when it's the first time out, I want it to be the end of it. Because um, rewriting can be difficult. Rewriting is hard because you get locked into what you've already written and what you get used to singing or playing. And then somebody says, um, it's always, it's all, here's another good thing. When you write a song, if you know other people that, that are talented as a songwriter, if you can get someone that can give you feedback, like true, honest feedback, not your mom, not your dad, not your brother or sister, because families are always going to support you. That's just, that's just a given, you know? I'm not gonna ask my mom or my sister to give me feedback on a song lyric because they're gonna think it's great because I'm, you know, I'm their son or brother. But there are people that I trust that are songwriters or artists that have, or publishers or whoever that, that do this for a living. And I can take that song, I can say, hey, give me your thoughts on this. And they'll be honest with me. They'll be like, yeah, this is great. This, go for it. Or they're like, you know what? This could really be, this could be sharper here or there. Um, or, you know what? This is really not very good. Just, you know, and you have to be willing to take that criticism, you know. So as a songwriter, you have to learn to live with criticism. <laughs> Everybody has an opinion. Ultimately, what, whose opinion matters is yours when it's said and done. You have to make that final decision. If you like it, music is art, and art is subjective. It doesn't matter what anyone ultimately thinks. Um, you know, you can play your song for me, and I can give you my opinion of it and what I think as a songwriter and somebody who does it for a living. And then you can ask somebody else here in the audience what they think of it, and they might give you a completely different. Or, you know, you could talk to Kane, and they may say, a totally different opinion of it you know my rule is I always ask, try to ask three people what their opinion is of whatever it is I'm showing them and then if majority rules if two of them two out of the three say this is great go for it then I'm, that's what I'm gonna do if they all of them or most of them say you can make some changes here whatever I need to take a look at that and be willing to go back and try to redo something and reevaluate what I'm writing if that makes sense that's your question Awesome. Good question. Thank you. Don't be shy. Yes, ma'am. Right here. Great questions. Thank you, guys. So obviously, more contemporary Christian music is up and coming. That's what's more popular, more well-known right now. 
Um, I was trained like classically. I play acoustic guitar. I yep. learned all the classical chords. Is there a way that I can use that to still make a living without having to learn all of the contemporary stuff? Um, yes. When you say classical and what you've learned, like you mean like, like you're classically trained, like operatic style? Like, okay. Um, you know, so what kind of music do you want to, do you not want to do CCM style music? Do you want to do the more operatic types music? Okay. Um, yeah, hold on to that so we can, so we can talk. Um, that's a great question. There are so many people that are in contemporary music that are modern, mainstream music, all the stuff that we listen to, whether it be in Christian music or in mainstream music, that are classically trained, but they play rock or country or pop or whatever it is. I mean, you'd be amazed. If, if you, I don't know if you ever listened to any heavy metal or hard rock music, you know, and we think, you know, all this kind of stuff. But if you actually go back and, and actually listen to the music, almost every one of those guys are classically trained. It, you know, I got some heads waving up and down that, that grew up listening to 80s, 70s and 80s rock music. And all those guys can, they shred guitars and they pound on drums and put on crazy light shows and all this kind of stuff. But musically, they are top notch. You know, we may not like to listen to it because it's so loud and obnoxious, you know, depending on who it is. But if they sit and do an, an acoustic version of those songs, and they're just playing all these classical scales back and forth, you know, it's like, oh, wow, these guys really do know what they're doing. They're just playing music that we don't like. <laughs> Maybe some of them, some of them we love, and it just depends on who it is. Um, so that being said, you can, I mean, there are tons of people that are making a living in music classically trained. Now, you're going to have to find that kind of a venue, the kind of venues that are playing that want classical style music. Are you playing piano or guitar? Guitar. You play classical guitar, like Spanish guitar? Like that kind of, like, does that make sense? Or like, or just like operatic style, operatic style? Yeah. Um, man, that's a good question. Nobody's ever asked me that question before. Cause I know, and the reason that's hard to answer is because everyone that I know that can do that has, has learned how to take what they know in that world and apply it to a modern mainstream pop country CCM you know, life. Yeah, and I do play for my church's youth worship team and we play contemporary music. So I just kind of learned those chords because that's what they were playing. Yeah. Um, but I mean, the way that I was trained was with classical chords. So let me ask you this. If you could play any venue, like what would be your dream venue to play? Do you have one? Not really, just in churches. Okay. So I would say get plugged in. If you're at the church that you play at now, loves what you're doing, do that as much as possible. And then try to find other churches. If you want to branch beyond that and go play at other, other churches or other venues, excuse me, um, then find other churches that are similar and in musical style to what your church is doing and just reach out to them and see, you know, find out who either the worship pastor is or the youth pastor or, you know, college pastor, whoever that can have, or the, that has 
that can answer those questions for you and see if there's an opportunity for you to go in and play and lead worship for them. Does that make sense? Yeah. That, that would be, at this point, that would be the best thing that I could tell you to do. You know, and then just let that, as those things happen and you start getting those opportunities, then those will start opening. That hope, naturally, hopefully, that's going to open up different opportunities for you. I'm going to be honest. I don't, I, since I don't know specifically that world um, as much as you do, I would guess that that's probably a little more limited just because some, I don't think as many people do it. But I could be wrong. I, I don't want to steer you the wrong direction. I'm just being honest with you. Okay, thank you. Is that helpful? Okay, thank you. That's a great question. Um, we, we got about five minutes. Anybody got one more question? Yes. Thank you guys so much. I have a young friend that is very, very musically inclined. Okay. He has a beautiful voice. He can pick up an instrument and have it mastered in a year. Right now he's going to Dallas Baptist Ministry and he's majoring in music. And he does want to do it professionally. Is going to college going to help him? Will it give him any value? It does give value. Um, that's a great question. I have, I've had many people on my podcast guests that we've talked about that very, very thing because a lot of the art, a lot of the, the guests that I've had on, some of them are artists, some of them have become publishing uh, publishers at publishing houses, some of them have become. Um, A&R people, which is like the, the person who signs artists at a label. Um, and a lot of those people have gone to, to music college for that very purpose. You know, Belmont University and Vanderbilt and, uh, you know, um, Berkeley College of Music and those places are specifically for those types of things. Um, so there is value in that. The trick, well, before I say that, um, and then there are a lot of people that are very successful in the, in the music business that have never gone to college for any of that. They just got hands-on experience. You know, I did not go to, I took music in college, but I didn't go to a music college for, to do music because I grew up doing music and I already knew this is what I was going to do. I was already out doing it to some degree. And so I incorporated different things that I was learning from college, from college, doing music in college, to put that into what I was doing as a career. Does that make sense so far? Um, so there is value in him doing it. There are a lot of things that he's going to be able to apply at college that he'll be able to transfer into his career once he gets out into the real world. Now, all that being said, I've had so many people this is one of the reasons this is one of the very exact reasons I do this podcast is having guests on to talk about this very kind of thing because people that go to college for music learn so much there's so many things that you can learn but then you get out into the real world and you get real world ex real world experience and then you realize that's nothing what I learned in, in school and that happens with with all kinds it's not just music so somebody's listening and going well that's not true I did this you know I'm you know, that, that across the board. There's always things you're going to learn in real life that you didn't learn in college for whatever business you're into. Um, so does he have to go to college, music college, to be in the music business? No. Is he going to learn great things that he can apply to his career when he gets out of college? Absolutely. Um, 
one of the most important things that anybody is going to do coming out of college that I've learned from having all these different guests on that have been doing this for years is that when you get out of college or while you're in college is to get an internship with whether, depending on what he's wanting to do. If he's wanting to go to be work at a record label or at a publishing company or a management company, anything like that, they, most of the time, they want interns that are in college to come work for them. And they get college credit and things like that. Um, but that gives them real world, real world experience to go out and actually work with We the Kingdom or Crowder or I Am They or whoever, Newsboys, and they get to be on the road with them. They get to go work the merch tables. They get to go learn how to do road managing because those internships are giving them those opportunities that they would never get outside of doing that. Does that make sense? Um, now, the music business is a relationship business. So I mentioned that earlier. Everything, if you listen to every episode of my podcast, what you're going to find out is that this business is built on relationships. You know, um, it's all who you know. You can be super talented. You, some of the most talented people I've ever known in my life will never have a record deal. And they will never go out and tour. And then some... Some people that are mediocre or decent will be playing main stage someday, you know. But the, and the reason why, and good for them. I mean, and and when they when they get there, they deserve to be there. Even though we may not care for their music, they may not have the best voice or the best musicianship or whatever. But they will deserve to be there because they have worked and worked and worked and worked at it and they've never stopped and when the time comes and all the other people who were trying really hard and had some success maybe and weren't getting where they thought they wanted to be they end up quitting they walk away and they go do something else which is great that's, that's fine there's nothing wrong with that if you decide that this is not what you want to do but the people that that kept going that may not have been as as talented but they kept at it working hard and hard and hard and they never stopped that's one of the reasons you guys don't necessarily know who I am. But for 25 years plus, I've made a living doing music because I've never stopped and I've found ways to do it. And I've got opportunities that open up. You guys come hear me today for the first time, you know, and now you'll, then you'll know who I am. But um, because I've worked at it, I've never stopped and I never intend to quit. And so when everyone else is quitting, I'm still going, you know, and that's that's kind of how the music business works. And that's what most of these guys up here that you're listening to, they've stayed at it, and they've stayed at it, and they've stayed at it when others are quit. And so that's how... Well, the fellow from Sidewalk Profits said they were doing it for 10, 12 years... Before they got signed. Before they even got signed. 10, 12 years of just pounding the pavement and working yeah. at it, working at yeah. it, never getting recognition, never making a dime, just working now, at it. I'm an indie artist. I'm an independent artist. I have my own record label, Edinburgh Music. Um, and I, like I said, I've toured 25 years around the country and doing concerts and events and conferences and seminars and youth camps and whatever. And, you know, I am they. I, we've played together. I play with those guys. I, I mean, I'm, le I'm playing with Big Daddy Weave on Sunday. I'm an independent artist, you know, but I've built relationships. People know who I am that and they know my music and they trust me as an artist and as a worship leader. You know, we've built those relationships where there's trust and they know what I can do that the other people haven't gotten yet, you know, and that hopefully the other people will get those opportunities. But it's, you know, it's taken a long time to get to be able to do some of the things I get to do now that I'm grateful for. And success 
in music, this is what I always tell people, success in, in the music business is not how much money you can make and how much fame you can have and not that you can have 30,000 people a day come to watch you. That's amazing and that's great. And someday 30,000 people will come watch me. It's, I got to play in front of you know, crowds like that with, with, for different things and it's been fantastic. But success for me in the music business is getting to be able to support my family and pay my bills. And if I can do those two things, that's being successful in the music industry. And so that's not always doing one thing. Like I said, I've got seven or eight different things that I do that allow me to do music full time. I, I used to deliver pizzas for six years when I first moved to Nashville. I delivered pizzas while I was doing music. And I've done, car, uh, I've done you know, not carpentry, but I've um, worked on houses. And you know, I've done all kinds of side jobs in addition to. And then at one point, I flipped a switch and I got serious and said, okay, I'm only going to do, I'm going to start teaching guitar full time. And I spent 10 years building that business and doing that and then still leading worship and then still doing concerts. And then I've been able to shift that to where I'm doing out playing shows more and leading worship more and doing all the producing and all those other things. So things, you know, it's juggling a lot of, a lot of things at once, but those are all music related issues that allow me to do it full time. And so that is success for me. And that's what I want people that listen to the podcast to know is that you don't have to be the main stage at a festival and are selling millions of records or whatever. It's, can you, can you make enough money to support your family and be doing music full time and whatever, whatever it is. So that's what it is. So I hope that's helpful for you guys. Thank you for all the questions. I hope you're able to take what we talked about a little bit and, and can apply it to um, to what your careers are going to be, and I hope you're hope you're playing here at Life Fest in the in the future, or having someone else play your songs that you've written for you. That would be amazing. I would love to see that. So thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it very much. I'll be at three three fifteen at the cafe stage. I would love for you guys to come over and and hang out and let me play some music for you. Thank you, John, and yeah. go check them out this afternoon. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much again for being a part of this episode and listening in on this conversation. I hope it is beneficial to you guys with what you are pursuing in your music career. Please let me know how it's going for you. Hit me up on Instagram at John Martin Keith on my Facebook page at You Can Make a Living in the Music Industry. I would love to hear from you guys. Or you can email me at contact at johnmartinkeith.com. Remember, Edenbrook Productions is here to help if you need consulting services via phone call, Skype, Zoom, or FaceTime. Be sure to let us know how we can help you begin to make a living in the music industry.